church. So let's, let's jump into Ephesians chapter 3. Go with me to verse 6. And I want to kind of show you what Paul says about the church before we actually get into the points of the message. And so Ephesians chapter 6 says this, that, and this is God's plan. How many of you like to know God's plan? Both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. So God's plan is that he would take the Gentiles and, and, and bring them together with the Jews and then let them all equally share his blessings and share in his riches and be a part of the same body. And that might not sound real important to you, but if, if we back up and we talk about the time they were living in, the Gentiles to the Jews were the most despicable people on the planet. The Gentiles were the lowest of the low, the dirtiest, filthiest animals on the planet, according to the Jews. If a Jewish person married a Gentile person, their family would throw a funeral for them because they were dead to them now that they've married a Gentile. And so God's great plan is that he's going to bring this despised, despicable people into these and and connect them and join them together with these people of promise, these God's chosen people, and that they would be able to share equally in everything. Pretty crazy, right? He says this, he says that both get to share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. So God wants us to share in his riches. So the next time God wants to bless you, take it. Then he says we're, we're, we're part of the same body. That means that none of us is greater than the other ones. We're all in the family. Look around. This is your family. This is your spiritual family. The family of God that he's given us. You might not like some of the people in your family. Earth is short. Eternity is forever. You better learn to love somebody. (laughs) And if you don't now, God might move you next to him when you get into heaven. I don't know. Just saying. You never know what he's going to. You know how he works. (laughs) But then he says this, that both get get to enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ. We all get to enjoy God's blessings. God wants us to enjoy his blessings. And God, the good father, wants to bless his children. He's a good father. He wants to bless you. He wants you to walk in his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his provision. He wants you to be blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, get you some of that. So Paul's revealing this mystery of God's plan. And, and before we go any further, I kind of want to clear something up. Maybe there's a little bit of muddy water this morning. I just feel like I need to clear this up. But to be a part of God's family, you've got to understand how you get in and kind of how the process is, okay? I, I don't want to pass that up. So, so what happens is, is the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So you, you have to hear something about Jesus in order to be spiritually awakened and to give your life to Jesus, 
right? So maybe somebody quotes scripture. Maybe you, you listen to a preacher on the radio. Maybe you come to church, whatever it is. But you hear the message of the gospel from the Bible. And, and you get this revelation of who Jesus is, what your sin condition is. And then you say, okay, I got to do something about this. And then you make a step and you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And in that process, he cleanses you up, he forgives you of your sins, and he brings you into the family. And the Bible says that you go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. And that now you're in right standing in this relationship with God, whereas before, before you weren't. Okay? So, so that's great, right? So you've given your life to Jesus. Congratulations. But now you've got to grow in that. You can't stop right there. You got to grow in that because right now it's just kind of right here. It's just kind of right here. You kind of got it from paper and pencil to to here and you understand what's going on and you can logically think about what Christ is and you can read the Bible and start to learn the characteristics of God and what God does and how he moves and what he likes and what he don't like, what makes him happy, what makes him sad. But sooner or later, it's got to go from this and here to hear. Now watch this now. It's got to go from a head knowledge to an experiential knowledge of God. It's got to go from I'm reading about him and I've learned about him to now that I'm experiencing him in my daily life away from church. Right? That's when you begin to grow. You can't stay at the logical understanding of Christ. You have to move into something else because he wants you to know him. In 1 John, the Bible says that Jesus gives us understanding so that we can know God. In other words, Jesus is going to help you by giving you understanding so that you can know God. You know what that really means? That Jesus has given you understanding so that now you can have this experiential knowledge of God. The kind of knowledge that you can't get right here. It's the kind you feel. It's the kind that deals with your emotions. It deals with your heart. It deals with your your physical body. It's the kind that, that teaches you something you didn't know before. I shared my story last week about the, the previous week, about the previous Friday, and I experienced a lady died right here in the trailer park. I helped her in the house and I left and I came back. She died. I was like, the whole time I'm sitting going, God, why am I here? What are you doing? What, what is all this? Why am I involved in this? I didn't need to be here. Evidently, he wanted me to experience something that I couldn't get from here or that would match up with here. You see in this, Don't keep Jesus boxed in here. Let him get up in here. Get some experience with him. Right? You need to know what his smell is. You want to get to know somebody? Go rip out molded sheetrock with them. You'll know them. Mm-hmm. Definitely will. So Paul, Paul's kind of clearing this whole thing up. So I just kind of wanted to bring it from the head to the heart. And I wanted to get you to understand that don't ever get stuck at a head knowledge of God. You have the right to go into an experiential knowledge with God. Okay. Is that clear? So we get to enjoy uh, equally sharing the riches of God 
and then we get, to, uh, we get to be a part of the same body, and then we get to enjoy the promise of blessings. Look at verse 10. It says this, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now watch this. Christ or God's plan for the church. I'm going to make this very simple. Christ, I mean, God's plan for the church is to show us off. To who? To the principalities and authorities and rulers in the heavenly places that we can't see. You see, I don't want to give you this. You got to understand that there's a battle going on in the unseen world for your salvation and to destroy God's plan for his people. You can't see it, but there's a war going on for you right now. There was a war going on at 6 a.m. and the devil wanted to get you to sleep in. Can I get a witness? (laughs) God is taking his church and his body of believers and all these people that have made Jesus their Lord. He's taking them and he's saying, look at you. Look at that. Look at what I'm doing. You see, Billy, the one that they said would never amount to anything. Look at him now. Man can't do what I did to Billy. Only God, only I can do what happened to Billy. You see, Jimmy, Jimmy's going to be different. Jimmy's not going to be the same. Jimmy's going to change because of my wisdom and my power and my grace and my mercy, I'm going to take Jimmy's broke down life and I'm going to build it back up again. And I'm going to give him infinite heavenly wisdom. And he's going to make some good decisions. And people are going to go, what the heck happened to Billy or Jimmy? Whichever one we're talking about. What, what happened to him? I should have used the girl's name. But what happened? Because don't worry, ladies. He does the same thing for y'all. But his, his show, God is showing off. If you could know everybody's story in this room. Some of you had the trunk shut too long. (laughs) If you could know the people's story in this room, you might not be here. But that's his plan. He's showing off to the principalities and the rulers in the heavenly places. And he's saying, look at what I can do. Dear goodness, he's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. Amen? He can flip any situation around. He can turn anything around and make it new. I mean, the Bible says that when you give your life to Christ, the old man dies and you become a new creation. Who else can do that? Nobody else can. That's his plan. God's showing you off. You want to be on a highlight reel? You want some attention? Let God move in your life and let him show you off to the principalities and rulers in the heavenly places. One day you're going to get to heaven and he might just show you the highlight reel. And you might be all in the middle of it. Right? Watch this last verse. Verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, 
we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You got to get this. A switch has to flip right now. It has to flip. Something has to flip in your mind today. You, you have the right to come into his presence with boldness and confidence. Why? Because of what Christ did and because of your faith in him. That's why you need to know who you are. You need to know who you belong to because there's a real enemy trying to convince you otherwise. There's, there's T-boy over there that's saying you still ain't no good. Oh, he goes to church, but he ain't worth nothing. You got people trying to bring you down. You need to remember who you are. You're a child of God. You get to share in his riches. You get to enjoy his blessings. I think God expects us to come into his presence with boldness and confidence. When I read the Old Testament, I see guys that stepped out. You remember the story? I think it was Joshua that said, son, stand still. He was chasing his enemy down and he had enough boldness to tell God to make the sun stop. I bet God stopped the sun just because he was kind of surprised. Like, Whoa, hey, stop. <laughs> Lord have mercy. It was Hezekiah who said, God, give me a sign that you're going to let me live. Turn the clock back 10 hours. And by the way, it was a sundial. Try turning that back. I believe God wants us to come with boldness and confidence. I'm telling you, the church is stronger than it thinks. So as followers of Jesus, we don't just go to church. We are the church. And the church is everywhere as we are. Right? So let's jump into this. Why I love my church. Number one, I love my church because my church has variety. My church is kind of like Neapolitan ice cream. It's kind of got all the flavors in it. Bluebell's got this new one out, by the way, just to give you a little bit of spiritual information. Bluebell's got this new one out called Camo and Cream. What? Bluebell's turning Cajun. Come on, somebody. Before you know it, they're going to change the name. It's going to be Bluebell Shy. Just prophesying. But we, the church, my church is made up of a variety. Look around the room. Do you see yourself anywhere else in here? Is there anybody as pretty as you? I don't see them. There's a variety. There's different backgrounds. There's different upbringings. There's different social statuses. There's different financial statuses. Some of you were abused and some of you weren't. Some of you were addicted and some of you weren't. Some of you were prideful and some of you were humble. Some of you were abused. Some of you weren't. Some of you made bad decisions. Some of you should be in jail right now. Raise your hand. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'll get you out of here. <laughs> but the church is made up of a variety of people. Listen to me, I am so grateful this morning that the church is not filled up with a bunch of people like me. I'm boring. You might not believe that, but I'm boring. I like to work. I'm weird. Get, get this, I'm an extreme introvert. That means I don't like to be around people. <laughs> Get you some of that. 
I want to be in a cave with two people. God has a sense of humor. My church has variety. Watch this Psalms. I mean, Ephesians chapter two. Just look over Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. Watch this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens. Say citizens. Along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him... You Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We are the church. We are the building of God. We are his holy temple where his spirit dwells and his presence is. If we take this conglomeration of different people and we go to the the super Walmart and we get in the middle of the foyer and we join together where there are the church there too. The church is there. It's with the people. It's not in the building. Right? And everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Even the most despised are welcome. He says the the Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. They're now citizens. I belong. Let me tell you about some of Jesus' friends. You remember Peter? Peter was impulsive with an anger problem. Peter was the rock that Jesus built the church on, by the way. What about, what about Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector that cheated people and probably belonged in jail. Thomas was a skeptic and a doubter. I mean, this dude, like, he walks with Jesus for three and a half years, experiences all the miracles of Jesus, and at the end of Jesus' life, he, he, goes, he goes, show me. Let me see the holes in your hands. I'm like, dude, like he was with Jesus. He was a doubter. He was a skeptic. Rahab was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. You mean prostitutes are welcome in the God's family? I preached a story one time of this in the Old Testament. God told this guy to marry a prostitute. And I was making this statement. I said, can you believe that God told him to marry a prostitute? We had this old man in here and he goes, Meshach, sometimes they make the best wife. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a little while to get back on point with that one. (laughs) Rahab was a prostitute. Watch this one. Bathsheba was raped. By a guy who God said is a man after my own heart. So next time the enemy wants to tell you you're not worth anything. Just remind him. Of what God's done in the Bible. Just remind him of what God's done in real life. Just remind him that God don't care about what you've done. He cares about who you belong to. If you could look around this room and listen to me in this room, I know more about most people in this room than anybody else. If I didn't want to embarrass you, 
if I wanted to embarrass you, I would start going around giving you names of what I know about you. And some of you are going, please don't do that, Pastor. Please. (laughs) Pastor, please don't tell them what I've done. Some of you wouldn't even come to this church if you knew everybody else's story. The funny thing is they wouldn't come if they knew yours too. Right? God's church has variety. OSC is not a place you go, but a family you belong to. God's joining us together in this beautiful, beautiful thing. And he's bringing us together and he's showing us off to the principalities and rulers in the heavenly world. Second reason I love my church is my church has power. My church has power. Psalm 68, 5 to 6 says this, Father to the fatherless, defender of the widows, this is God. Whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. The church I belong to, my church is powerful. And when I said that the church is waking up, I'm telling you, when I pray, I see the church waking up right now. This flood was not just to flood people's homes. This flood was to give the church an opportunity to stand up and wake up and get involved. Are you hearing me? Let me tell you about the church. Let me tell you about the church in this flood. The church did better than Red Cross did. When Red Cross couldn't get to people, the church could. When Red Cross couldn't pull people's sheetrock out, the church did. When the Red Cross couldn't come in there and help and get into the deep waters, the church did. The church is powerful. From my experience alone, right here in Eunice, which was kind of minimal, from my experience alone, this is what I've learned about the church that's so powerful. That God put some people in the church to bring resources. We had a guy in the church that he, he was able to bring resources from other states for companies that do work for him. He, he made a phone call, put some pressure on him, and truckloads of stuff start coming in. Church is powerful. The church also had a, a team of people that went out and ripped people's sheetrock. They moved other people's furniture. They got into the dirtiness of people's houses and moved stuff around. And they sweated and they got full of mold. But they're still trying to get off. And they were the hands and feet of Jesus for about seven days. That's the church I belong to. The church also had some folks that would, that would work a little bit and then go slip off to, next to somebody and pray for them. And encourage them. And minister to them in the middle of their disaster. That's the powerful church I belong to. And it's waking up right now. The church is waking up. You know how it's waking up? God's starting to stir in people's hearts. And we're coming out of our complacency and our laziness and we're waking up and we're starting to take advantage of the opportunities that are put in front of us. The church is full of power. The church is a place where God takes uneducated people and uses them in phenomenal ways. You can apply that same story to any, any situation in life of how God works and how he moves. The church is powerful. That's what life groups are for. It's one of the reasons we have life groups is to empower the church, to break it down a little bit smaller so that people can get involved in each other's lives and healing can happen and encouragement can happen and prayer can happen and people and the church can get motivated and they can get pushed out into what God's doing. That's what life groups are for. 
So the first reason I love my church is because it has variety. The second reason is because it has power. I don't belong to a dead church. I don't belong to a weak church. Number three, the church, the reason I love my church is because it has presence. My church believes in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Wherever we go, the presence of God goes. If you haven't seen the presence of God in your workplace, it's because you don't expect it to be there. You're not looking for it to be there. You didn't wake up in the morning and go, man, the presence of God is going to be on that job. One of my guys the other day texted me in the middle of the day. He goes, just let a man to the Lord in the break room. He had no idea what I was doing. I dropped my phone. I was like, praise God. Boo! I was just like scoring a touchdown. Presence of God was in that workplace. Somebody got saved. Somebody went from spiritual death into spiritual life. Come on. The church has presence. Wherever we go, the presence of God is. I've experienced the presence of God at Cafe Mosaic. Even with the rock and roll music playing. He's bigger than that. I've experienced God's presence at City Hall. I've experienced it in neighborhoods. I got a friend who experienced God's presence even at Pizza Hut. She was at Pizza Hut and the little girl that was checking her out was struggling and she prayed for her and they were both crying. Right there at Pizza Hut, the presence of God was there. I've experienced the presence of God at Fruget Lumber. Trailer parks. Middle of the street. The presence of God isn't in the building. The presence of God doesn't get here until you get here. Come on, somebody. You are the church and God likes to hang out with his people. He's not worried about buildings. He loves hanging out with his people. He makes his presence known with his people. He inhabits the praise of his people. You lift his name up, he comes a running. This church has, has presence. Number four, here we go. It has purpose. The reason I love my church is because it has purpose. I shared this in the men's Bible study this past week that, the, that, the, that there was two important things to Jesus that, that, that just really stuck out to me. And it was, it was the first one was this was the Great Commission. So the church has purpose. Jesus gave us the great, com- the great commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. And he tells you who to baptize them in, in their name. And he says, and, and, and teach them all that I've taught you. So we freak out when somebody says disciple. Are you making a disciple? Are you being discipled? Have you discipled anybody? Oh, no, I haven't been to school. I don't have a degree. Oh, oh I don't know how to do that. Oh, my gosh. Listen to me. Calm down. Just teach them what God taught you. It's not complicated. He's not trying to make it difficult. If God teaches you it's not good to cuss, 
teach somebody not to cuss? If he teaches you not to kick the dog, say, look, you really don't need to kick your dog. The cat's fine, but the dog, don't kick the dog. But we freak out and then we end up being disobedient because we're scared. Let's back the sermon up. He wants us to walk in boldness and confidence. Jesus walked up to the disciples before they were disciples and said, hey, come follow me. I'll teach you how to catch men. Now that flew in those days. You try that these days, that's going to be a little different. You might say something a little different, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Just saying. He gives us the power to change words. But he walked in and he, he called people into a discipleship type of relationship. So as believers, we're responsible for three things. Going, baptizing, and teaching. The rest is on God. What if they, what if they say no? Go find somebody else. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. Right? Keep going till you find somebody. Go make a disciple. We have a purpose. We need to multiply the church. You know why? So we can get out of here. Heaven ain't got no humidity. That ought to motivate you. No bills. As far as I know, we don't even have to wear clothes. Uh, somebody's like, hey. <laughs> Just pick it. Just teach them what you've taught, what he's taught you. It's not difficult. The day you're saved, you're able to start discipling somebody. Well, what do I do? Introduce them to Jesus. Well, what do I do after that? Do what Jesus teaches you to do the next day. Well, then what about what about the third? Do the same thing again. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Come on, it's not complicated. We're not going to be able to stand before God one day and say, "Well, I didn't know what to do." I'm just trying to prepare you. I'm trying to get you ready. I don't want you to get to heaven and get in trouble. Make disciples. The church has a purpose to go and make disciples. To go into the world. What world is that, Pastor? That's the world that God's given you. That's the people that you run into on a regular basis. That's your world. Get your world saved and he might send you around the world. You follow me? The second part of that is this. He gave us the great commandment. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 39 says this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So our first priority, our first purpose in this life as the church is to love God with all that we have. Before you do anything else, you need to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. You need to love him with everything that you've got. That's your first priority. The second one is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do I do that? Well, anything you do for you, do for your neighbor. And some of you really love yourself. 
So God might put you in a big neighborhood because you've got a lot of love to spread. You love yourself so much that, man, I mean, you, you start loving people and who knows what's going to happen. But that's the great commandment is to love God with all that we have. Do you know that everything that we do in life flows out of our relationship with God and how we love God? I love my wife according to my relationship with God. If I'm loving God, I'm loving her better. I'm a good friend when I'm in a good relationship with God and I'm loving God. And out of that relationship with God comes the ability to be a good friend. Are you seeing this? Everything that I have comes out of my relationship with God. That's why Jesus said this is the first commandment. He said the second was equally important. Your answer is in your relationship with God. Your deliverance is in your relationship with God. Your freedom is in your relationship with God. Your healing comes out of your relationship with God. That's why I love my church.